In the early 1900s, tuberculosis was the leading cause of death in the United States. Patients were quarantined far from society and subject to archaic treatments. Now, the site of one of those treatment centers is said to be home to countless spirits. Today, we tell the story of one of the most haunted places in the U.S., Waverly Hills Sanatorium. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to another episode of Red Web, the show all about the unsolved and the creepy underneath our very noses in this very unnatural world. I'm your resident mystery enthusiast, Trevor Collins, and joining me, hearing this mystery for the very first time, bringing that gut check and those psychic instincts, I like to think, Alfredo Diaz. Back to the traditional ghost and ghouls. Ghost and ghouls. We, it's been a while. It I gotta has. reach to the top shelf, get the good stuff. Dang. Dust off some of those ghost stories. Okay, yeah, it's and bring it pretty down. dusty. Yeah. Um, why is it always the most haunted place ever mm. that I've never heard of? Yeah. Then again, I haven't heard of a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of places I seem I'm like seeing now that are just like this is the most haunted place. No one claims to be the most haunted place right. unless it's like a a unique thing, like a submarine from the World War era, yeah. right? World War One or something. They're like, we are the most haunted submarine right in country oh. but you're right otherwise a lot of folks will be like this is one of the most haunted places in said country Interesting. and uh and i think that's because tourism oh 100 percent. yeah yeah i mean if you're, you gotta if you're, you gotta fuel the ghosts and I'll, ghosts I'll, need money i mean i'll be honest i've heard that in the pews it were i mean how else do you pay your toll to get across the uh what was it death's River, the river sticks. Yeah, yeah. You got to bring yeah, yeah. both the coins that somebody hopefully put on your eyes, right? Or you bring a compact disc. Ever heard of these CD players? Bring mm-hmm. a Walkman, nice set of headphones. Right. Play the band sticks. Hear them rip away at the at the keys. What? And I'll tell you what that that they will ferry you right across. That's one way. Pure entertainment. <laughs> entertainment. Like, look what I can do. Yeah. But yeah, we're back in another ghost store. I'm very excited because we have started to pocket these for the October month. Every now and then, you know, we do our October specials. We go out ghost hunting. Yep. So we uh, we accrued a library of these locations. But I, I said no. Mm-mm. Jillian said, mm-mm. Christian said, out. fine. Okay. Yeah. I was and like, we whipped this okay. one out. I'm there very excited about this one. Waverly Hills Sanatorium, not too far from where I grew up. We got Louisville, Kentucky. A lot going on in this place. Oh, quickly before we dive in, I just want to say we are taking a break. July 3rd, there will not be an episode that Monday because we are planning for RTX. RTXAustin.com if you want to come with us. It's going to be a good time. But with that said, let's dive in. So, some sensitive topics. We have self-harm and patient abuse. But with that said, let's dive in. In 1883, Major Thomas H. Hayes purchased the land in Louisville, Kentucky that would become the location of Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Hayes built a school for his daughter on the property and hired a teacher named Lizzie Lee Harris. Harris loved the Waverly novels by Sir Walter Scott, so they named the school Waverly School. It's just an interesting factoid. It's Waverly spelled at the end with E-Y, as opposed to its modern-day spelling, which is just Y. At some point in time, they dropped that E before the Y, but that's where Waverly comes from, is from the Waverly novels. It's just a different spelling. I just thought that that was interesting. But... Hayes referred to the entire property as Waverly Hills. By the early 1900s, tuberculosis had spread throughout Kentucky as it had across the United States. I mean, it was 
highly contagious. It still is, of course. We have better treatments for it now, but it was highly contagious. It was airborne, and it's a bacterial infection that affects the lungs if you're not aware. It was the leading cause of death in the United States and in Europe at this time, not that long ago, really. And it was especially bad in Kentucky given the climate. It was hot, humid weather, and a lot of wetlands in the area as well. So to solve this crisis, infected individuals with advanced cases had to be quarantined in hospitals where they could get rest and fresh air because, again, there was no treatment for this disease at the time. And through taxes, Louisville was able to construct two hospitals. Now, the Board of Tuberculosis Hospital was founded in Louisville in 1906. They purchased Hayes Land and began construction in 1908. This would be the first of two hospitals located on the... Waverly Hills grounds. Okay, so it started off as a school, Mm -hmm. then became a hospital, then Mm -hmm. they're eventually going to build a second hospital. Yes. Wow. And that's what we're going to focus on. I don't really, I mean, I'm sure there's information out there, but there's other buildings and things on the Waverly Hills area. Just This is a, when we're talking about like, there was land bought, it was just like a giant cloth. Big old swath. Yeah. And it reminds me of Penhurst a little bit, where there's a lot of essentially decrepit buildings that had various purposes on one big property that is still up to this day, or at least parts of it are, that you can explore and is, and is haunted. But it feels like that's kind of what we're dealing with here at Waverly Hills. I can't imagine just being in a time where there just wasn't a bunch of houses and skylines and yeah. just tons of open field. Mm-hmm. And you just go, I want to buy this piece of dirt, this, yeah. this patch of grass. Yeah. And just like, how much of it do you want to buy? You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, Whoa. how much you want. And then yeah. also build whatever, you know, build what you want to build on it. It feels weird because, we, you know, we're always retrospective as humans, but I'm like, yeah. there's so much empty land even now that maybe in another hundred years will be completely developed. But we just go, oh, but the cities are all figured out now. You know, all these yeah. developed places are already developed. Who's to say there isn't going to be some future Chicago or like that is just a humble city now or a future Austin that yeah. quickly explodes over the next couple decades? Like, very true. I don't know. People with foresight that or, or just well-meaning people that have the money that say, I want to build a school. I want to build a hospital, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. All all the different cuts of cloth there. But but this hospital, like I said, began construction in 1908. The board kept the name and built a two-story building on top of the hill to house around 40 to 50 people. This is where it started, relatively humble beginnings, and it opened as Waverly Hills Sanatorium in July 26, 1910. Sanatorium is just a place where people with various illnesses, usually they focus on a specific disease, but people that can't get treatment because of the nature of the disease kind of go to these places. It's not like some sort of... There's a lot of ariums that I, I wouldn't... Like a terrarium or aquarium... It's not it's not an exhibit where you go to see clean things. Right. Sanitized items. <laughs> this is a place where people aren't treated and yeah. are like they're not treatable. So they just, I guess, make them comfortable. But there's just something about the name that makes it sound so gladiatorial, like a coliseum. Like what other words end with eum that aren't like <laughs> big and grandiose? Right. Anyway. With the rapid spread of tuberculosis and the fact that Waverly was one of the now few publicly funded sanatoriums, especially in this area, you can imagine that the demand for this hospital would be very, very high. And it could only hold about 40 to 50 people, and so this began to kind of be an issue with how dense it would be. And so, actually about 14 years later, in 1924, 
construction began on a new facility, a new building that would be five stories tall and would assist with this now increased demand. That's a long time, though. It's a long time. So explain to me tuberculosis in detail. Like, what does it affect? How is it spread? So it I've is, always heard of yeah. tuberculosis, but like I've never really, like at some point I knew. Yeah. Christian's going to look up some deets. So far past something I have to worry oh, about for or, sure. or it comes up. For sure. And, and the reason why that is, is straight up because it's bacterial in origin. And yeah. we have a plethora of antibiotics that yeah, we, we have at our disposal, gratefully. Um, but it's an airborne illness, much like the cold, much like the flu or anything like that. Okay. And tuberculosis. That's when you're coughing. And you have yeah. And yeah. so it's a bacterial infection of your lungs that transmits via the air. It's very contagious. And again, without antibiotics, it's you're kind of screwed. I don't know if you have any other like symptoms as far as like yeah, like what is, is it, it actually the do? How does it lungs, attack the you know? body? Yeah, according to the CDC, the general symptoms include feelings of sickness or weakness, weight loss, fever, night sweats. In the lungs, the disease has symptoms like coughing, chest pain, coughing up blood, mm -hmm. and then they can have other symptoms on other parts of the body depending on the areas of the body affected and the severity of the infection. Okay. But those are the general. Yeah, I just remember seeing in movies, it's like, oh no, I have, uh, I have it, and they're like coughing and constantly, and they cough blood in a napkin, mm -hmm. like, oh yep. my god, bleeding. Yep, and yeah. that's when the, the protagonist or whoever it is goes, they look at that, and then they like get hush-hush, and they put, yeah. they put the cloth away because yep. they don't want to tell anyone. Yeah, that's like the, the doomsday sign at that time. But but yeah, otherwise, I mean, it doesn't sound too dissimilar from other kind of lung-focused diseases, yeah. right? But yeah, that's tuberculosis, also known as TB, if you've ever seen in articles yep, or writing. Yeah, TB shots and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Yep. So again, 1924, they began construction on this five-story building, and it opened in October of 1926. The building was finished, and the hospital had expanded to now support around 400 patients. So now they can see... 10 times what they used to be able to see, which is great. That's such a large increase. Yes. I was like, well, we're taking over a decade. We're taking 14 years, pretty mm -hmm. much like a decade and a half, right? Mm -hmm. Big demand, you only fit like 50 people. Then the second hospital, five stories, 14 years. That's a long wait. And it is a like, long I wait. guess like tuberculosis was running wild and rampant during this time still. Yeah. It was, again, it was like the number one cause Jeez. of death in the United States. I mean, that's such a long time. But then they yeah. open and you said five, four or 500 people? About 400 patients of Ooh, its capacity. That's yeah. A major upgrade. So, and I don't want to, I mean, it's great that they have this new facility. Again, it, it's terrible that this disease is essentially untreatable. And so this place had to focus on. Nothing but, I mean, really the treatment was rest, eating healthy food, and then long hours in the fresh air. And essentially, sometimes no matter what the weather was, there were reports of people being out in the middle of the snow purely for the sake of getting fresh air into the lungs. Otherwise, again, there's no real treatment. This is just a place for people to go and that's essentially live out the rest of their lives just in as much comfort as possible. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah, like I was saying earlier, it looks like a place, it's a place you go just to be comfortable yeah. in your final days and years. People that specialize on the symptoms you're facing and, and everything else. But Waverly Hills has become more than just the school it started as, it became more than just the hospitals that we're talking about. It became a self-sufficient, kind of isolated community. It had its own farm, a butchery, laundry. It even had car maintenance garages. There was a morgue, a post office, and it became so large it had its own zip code. They're they're shipping mail. I, I can't even I can't even imagine, like, buying a piece of land and then just going, well, here's my certificate. I own this. 
where the heck do I begin from there? To there's a you were talking earlier. There's a whole board now. Mm -hmm. It like this just cut from a different cloth of to be just like I'm gonna build a school. Yeah, and then from there, just like well, what don't comes next? Anymore. Butcher hospital, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. second like second like a uh, building for the hospital, mm -hmm. and then just make everything so self efficient. Yeah, I'm not that person. I'm sorry. That's the kind of people that you throw them in the zombie apocalypse. They'll flourish. You that's know what I mean? Uh, that's like, the governor. <laughs> that, you know? That's the governor. That's the governor. I'm serious. The Walking Dead. They're like, look, let's let's take this plot of land mm -hmm. with these buildings. Let's get some fences going. Let's build a community. And also, let's make sure to keep my zombie child safe. <laughs> where no one else can know about it. Very true. But me, until they get that antidote. It is interesting. And it draws... Man, I don't want to get too modernized in my thinking here. But it, I wonder how easy it is to do something like that today. I will leave that rhetorical question to your mind because... Boy, would it seem challenging. Yeah, it seems challenging, but I think you kind of like start off with like, I don't know, some simple conversations on a weekly basis. You kind of like converse and meet together. And then you, you know, you kind of put that out on the internet and see if other people want to listen to you. And then from there, you kind of have like more people listening. And then you kind of build like a, like a force. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I then from there, that. it just kind of grows. It. And then you let that simmer for a bit. And then there's phase three, and you don't talk about phase three until phase three until, until it's not ready until you're almost into phase four. Right, <laughs> right. When phase four is on the horizon, you bust on the scene with. Well, I can't say too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's all you can say. I was I was gonna joke on top of your joke. I was gonna say it sounds like you're talking about a cult. It sounds a little bit like you're talking about a cult. Look, it sounds <laughs> it might sound like a cult, walk like a cult. <laughs> Uh, if it names this, itself like but, a cult and drinks out of special out of glass, a, yeah, drink out of like a sippy cup like a cult, <laughs> it's not a cult. We supply the drinkware, not the juice. Okay, mm -hmm. that's that's our only. <laughs> the moment Jesus. we have a sponsored beverage, we cross oh, the line. No, no. You know what I mean? All right, so let's come back to the idea of the treatments. We have rest, healthy food, things like that. Now, there were some more, as it were, avant-garde ways to approach this. Again, you know. In the pursuit of healthiness and trying to treat people, there were other ways that they went about trying to help people with tuberculosis. One of the more mundane or more benign ways of doing that was implementing sunrooms. These were rooms filled with sunlight, just walls of, I mean, we talk about sunrooms in houses, right? Little solariums or whatever yeah. that you can go sit out and read a book, you know, and, and watch the world go by. But these were rooms developed with a lot of windows that patients could sit in. And sometimes there would be sunrooms that were filled with artificial light. But the idea here was that they wanted a broad presence of sterilizing UV light. And I'm quoting an article here that offered Jillian and I a lot of confusion that we were chuckling over. But basically, to quote the article, they say they wanted to expose the lungs to UV light. That had Jillian thinking that they replaced, like they took the lungs out and put them in the sunlight and then put them back in. No, that's very cumbersome. That's a lot of work. That'd be a lot of work, but that's how it was phrased. Basically, the idea was by being in these sunlit rooms, being exposed to sunlight would be healthy. This air would be sterilized, which would then potentially rub off on your lungs in some way. I know we know better now, but that was the idea at the time. Look, it had to start somewhere. You know? Right. I mean, what if that worked? What if it could have worked? Like, science isn't just like, we thought this one thing, 
and that's how it happened. Mm -hmm. Boom, it was a straight shot. Right. It's not. There's a lot of experimenting, tons of theses out took there. thousands of years yeah. to develop the wheel, folks. Yeah. Something we take for granted now. That's You're true. like, what? Something round? Come on, this cup's right. round. Like, I carry it in my pocket. Right. <laughs> and just roll around a coin. So that was one of the more kind of if you want to call it experimental ways to treat it that they tried, but then there's some more extreme measures that were taken, such as temporarily collapsing a lung, allowing the organ to so-called rest. I don't know how that works, but again, this is the things that they tried. Other times, what? I know, other times ribs and muscles would be removed in order to give the lung some space, because again, you have to remember some of the inflammation would cause the lung to press out into other organs and into your ribs, and so they're thinking, well, if we get rid of those pesky ribs, I mean, this is a terminal illness at this point. Take your mind over a hundred years back. They're thinking terminal illness. It'd be better to, to kind of take a few ribs out to increase quality of life and maybe cure the thing than to just let the person be. And so, so this is jump, probably jumping the gun, but were, did people sign off on this stuff? I would hope so. At history first, gets a little sketchy. And again, yeah, as, so I, as I indicated at the beginning, I don't want to shy away from the fact that there was patient abuse happening on site. We're not going to go too into detail about that. I'm not saying everybody, but it was certainly something that happened at this location. Yeah, because it just, you know, you, we got hit with the hook and then we went, we went and took it back. We started from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of made me forget that I was like, I was sitting here going, wow, it's just, you know, just growing, flourishing. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. It's a place for people to just live out their days. And then now we I'm getting, talking American dream. Right. Now I'm getting brought right oh, yeah. back. I'm you bringing you back I mean? to the morbid reality it, of like, oh, dang. Yeah. Experiments. And there's a reason why yeah. there's, there's ghosts here. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. You if know, the place is a dark past. Right. You can imagine it's got yeah. some residual energy left. Yeah. I mean, I know nothing about the afterlife, but I would think and this is probably because my exposure to entertainment that you don't die peacefully and then become a ghost. You know what I mean? Like, I wish. I wish the trope was you had such a happy moment right. here. The child's first birthday was so popping. Kids mm -hmm. were hanging out, having a good time, cake in the face, running around, sugar high. And so we have little like little baby spirits running around just going giggling, playing with balls and balloons and things. Baby ghosts? Oh no. I mean, we... I don't like it. Who, who would have sense. a baby ghost? Yeah, tiny hands. Tiny hands. Doesn't make Weird. any sense. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but speaking of balloons, in some of these cases, with these more extreme measures, balloons would be inserted into the lungs in order to expand them. This was not always successful, as you can imagine. Sometimes it would actually be fatal. Disastrous. Now, during the sanatorium's history, some sources, this is where things get hairy with the history, some sources say that over 6,000 people died during their tenure here while other sources claim as many as 50,000 people passed away on these premises. In many cases... It's a big gap. That's it's a, a very, very big gap. huge gap. That's like saying one and, that's, and, and ten. That's a, that's a big gap. Ten X. Okay, let's take... Between X and ten X. Hmm, yes, yeah, nice narrow range. Let's take the former. The Six former. thousand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, even, even if you, like... I don't know, man. Even if you're trying to aim for a thousand in a year, that's that's still like, oh my god, like well, it, six years, yeah, over six years. This place was operating that's like for three quite people some time. a day. Okay, well, when you put it like that, yeah, that's like uh, when you start like actually like on the out of the year. If you're just like, okay, cool, like nine hundred people 
right? It was 365 days in a year. You just multiply that by three or whatever. Mm -hmm. You're looking at like three and a half, four people a day. Yeah. Or just like three people die today. Three people will die tomorrow. And another, it's just like, that's every single day. Yeah. That's so much death every day. That's, yeah, it's gnarly. When you start to break it down like that, that's wild. Yeah. And we're going to, we're about to get to when they close so we can kind of back out maybe some of those estimates for oh, okay. a sec. But in many cases, once a person was admitted to Waverly, they were essentially a permanent resident. Tuberculosis was very deadly and the treatments were experimental at best, of course, as we've kind of discussed. But to hide the bodies from other patients who were coming in and out of the facility, mostly in, there was a 500-foot tunnel, about 183 meters. It's essentially infamous at this point, known as the body chute. It was a tunnel that led from the first floor out to the railroad at the bottom of the hill. And though it was used also to deliver supplies, it was primarily known as the body chute or the death tunnel. This is where people would be ushered in and out to then go out to various funerals or wherever people would be buried with their families. Waverly Hills Sanatorium was closed in June 1961 as streptomycin was developed in 1943 and became the main treatment for tuberculosis, making sanatoriums essentially obsolete. I imagine then, uh, given the prefix and suffix of that word streptomycin, that we have some form of antibiotic there. Yes, streptomycin is an antibiotic. Gotcha. That said, I mean, I don't want to get away from it. Apparently, per the WHO, tuberculosis is the 13th leading cause of death globally to this day. I guess it's just countries that can't get through antibiotics. I would imagine so, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Ow. and that's also not the ban the WHO. That's the World Health Organization. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would, you know, if they wanted to sing about tuberculosis and spread the good word, it's not a bad idea. I guess the good word would be the antibiotics. It's <laughs> <laughs> just antibiotics. Dun, 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 dun. And the Christian's pointing at my nose spread to say, get back on script, Trev. <laughs> get back on script. Okay, so the Waverly Hills Sanatorium transitioned to a nursing home at this point in time. It didn't completely just shut down and like, okay, let's just throw the building to the, to the ghosts. It transitioned from, from what it was then into a nursing home. That eventually then closed down in 1980 after the remaining patients were transferred to Hazelwood Hospital at this point due to patient abuse. So it oh, seems wow. like the patient abuse might have come, Christian, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong, tended to come towards the nursing home era of the time here rather than the tuberculosis period. It's, it's a tough question, I know. As yeah, I'm you're trying, trying to think to, of how to answer it. Yeah, it's, because it's, it's, a, it's a hairy history. This is one of those things where like, it's an otherwise just random hospital when you look when you think back a hundred years and so yeah. people aren't documenting like everything about it and things get lost. But um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because we have, you know, all the information we've talked about about the history of the land and mm -hmm. the building. But in terms of it functioning as a hospital and, you know, the stories about patient abuse and malpractice and whatnot, that is where things started to get really murky. Got it. And so, yeah, in regards to your question about a majority of it occurring when it was transitioned to a nursing home. I really don't know. Okay. It seems like it because that's what the research said, but yeah, because it's so murky around that time period, like we don't want to confidently say right. this is when that's it happened. the thing. Yeah. I don't want to like, you know, clear any doctors that I don't know about, but, it, but the point is, is that it shut down in 1980 because that, that was the final nail in the coffin, essentially. And the rest of the patients were moved to a nearby hospital known as Hazelwood Hospital, which was also a former tuberculosis sanatorium, also mm. there in the Louisville area. Wow, it was up and running until 1980. Yeah. that's Now it's up and running as a hot spot for tourism, 
and ghosts. paranormal investigators yeah. and, and enthusiasts. And otherwise, I think the, and we'll talk about the current owners here in just a second, but otherwise they're there to kind of try to keep what remains of the history alive, informing people about the sanatorium, what they were doing, the importance of it at the time, things like that. Very much like Penhurst. Yeah, exactly. They, they, yeah, they have very similar currents, yeah. functions. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. And if you like what we're talking about, just a little self-plug, since Christian also brought it up again. If you like what we're talking about with the ghosts and the location here, Fredo and I did go to Penhurst in Pennsylvania. It was last October as our Halloween special. We did a live, well, it wasn't live, but we did a in-person ghost hunt while also talking about the story of Penhurst. So go check that out. It was really fun. Uh, this one also has a creepy tunnel. Penhurst had a creepy tunnel and there was You're a right. challenge to like oh. sit in there. Oh, we got to go. Um, Christian, we got to go no, here. We got to go still... Waverly Hills. Oh, man, we, you don't need to keep doing yeah, the tunnel challenges, Yeah, but no, we got to do the tunnel bro. challenge. Come on, we man. We have to compare and contrast. Oh, don't man. have to compare. <laughs> I'll be real. Jack, you don't. <laughs> I'm, the one, don't. I'm the one wanting to go now. You, I, mean, I didn't, ones, I didn't like being in that tunnel. I was I was in that tunnel. You did do it. Lights off, gorilla radio, and I'm and I'm sitting there listening to all the sounds Terrible. It was a terrible time. But you did it. I You're did the only do one it. who did it. I, uh, Everyone else refused. It was uh, unsettling. The, the amount of noise you hear in a supposedly abandoned tunnel. Ugh. Okay. Anyway, we should go. Uh, the old land that Hayes had purchased was auctioned off and became, almost became a prison. Local residents stepped in, protested that idea, and that actually stopped it. And instead, it, it remains to be what it is now. Interesting fact, in 1996, Robert Alberhaski bought the land to create the world's tallest statue of Jesus, though he could not raise enough money to do so. Could you imagine? We have Christ the Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, 98 feet tall or 38 meters. Yeah. That was built, I believe, in the early 1900s. I don't remember if it was in one of the first few decades or not, but either way, it's like 100 years old, essentially. It was finished in 1931. There you go, in the 30s. So it would have to be taller than that. That's... In that's, Louisville, Kentucky. That's huge. That'd be wild. And it also just kind of seems like in the middle of nowhere. Kind of kind of in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. I thought that that was so interesting, though, that somebody wanted to make the world's tallest statue of, of Jesus there in Kentucky. Could you? I little, really wish that that happened. This is a weird side That's so cool. Could you just imagine, like, owning a house and, like, it's next to a hospital, mm -hmm. and then eventually just this rigmarole of so many different things. Right. Almost becoming a prison? I don't want to live next to a prison. Right. No. And then all of a sudden, someone what's, comes through and is like, What's the complete antithesis nah, nah, nah. of that? Not a prison. Gigantic Jesus statue. <laughs> Say less. <laughs> like, what is happening There wasn't here, a protest. Man. There wasn't. There wasn't, yeah. but he couldn't raise enough money. Yeah, that would be an interesting thing to see in your back window. All right, moving on, I do want to talk about the current owners just for a brief second. In 2001, so 21 years after this location was officially fully shut down as a hospital, Waverly Hills was purchased by Charlie and Tina Mattingly, who renovated it while starting the Waverly Hills Historical Society. They later began offering ghost tours, which are still available, of course, to this day, and we will be heading over there. Sometime. I it just... Oh, <laughs> imminently. He, he, Bro, the, I was like... Leave the pause in the edit. The way he looked at me like it was an announcement. I was like... The wide eyes, We will be heading turn. over there in two weeks. They're like, what? <laughs> Bro, you gotta ease me into it. I gotta... You know what I mean? I, I'm easing into October right now. It's true. <laughs> Here in the summer, we're easing into October. It's an 11-month process to ease into the Halloween it shoot really that we have to do. And it starts the minute he steps out of the last yeah. place. 
Well, hello, Task Force. It is that time in the episode where we stop down for a hot second, let our heartbeats chill a little bit from the mystery. We calm down and we go, what's the order of business, Task Force? We gesture to each other across the many states and countries that we all live in, and we say, I don't know. Trevor hasn't said anything yet. He's just vamping as if there's a time limit here, like this is some sort of word limit essay, and we're all back in elementary school. Well, reminder, we will not have a new episode on July 3rd because we are plotting and scheming and planning for RTX. I'm so excited. It is right around the corner and uh, it is here in Austin. It is one of our sponsors, but I can't help it. I'm just going to dive into it right away because it's one of the favorite things I get to do every single year is meet all of you all in person, answering your questions, putting on a show. And this year, oh boy, has Rooster Teeth allowed us to go above and beyond and really bring the juice. Okay, we have an escape room. We worked with the escape game. They are a world-class escape room company and we were enabled to take one of their biggest rooms and reskin it, retheme it around red web in jokes, cryptids and other things like that. I'm super stoked for that. We're going to have the annual meeting of the minds. Alfredo and I are putting our noggins together to really make a special show, not just a panel like you've seen in the past years where we answer questions or talk to you all and kind of have a chill little vibe going on. No, we're going to be up on the stage. There's going to be a lot of chairs there. We're going to be out on the main floor, so it's going to be a lot of energy going on and Fredo and I are working Working on some really fun creative to make it a bit more of a show, like a mini live show for Red Web. So I, I'd be reluctant to call it Red Web Live, but it's as close as we can get without actually taking this show on the road. So stay tuned. If you want to learn more about RTX, who else is coming? I mean, there are so many awesome guests, not just us. You have everybody from Rooster Teeth. You got Achievement Hunter, Fun House, Tales from the Stinky Dragon. If you love D&D, we have a lot of other D&D shows coming. Dungeons and Daddies is another one. We also have the Therapy Gecko, who you might have recognized from their Reddit fame, but they also live stream. You got new rock stars is going to be there. Super Carlin Brothers. I'm super big fans of everybody that's going to be there. So this is just me geeking out, honestly. And if you want to learn more about it, again, rtxaustin.com. It's going to be a huge event. There are badges for three days, and uh, there are individual day badges. There are platinum badges, ultra badges. It's all there on the website telling you what you're going to get. But just so you know, Task Force, the escape room, and everything that Red Web has to offer is all included. And again, there will be exclusive merch there at RTX for you to purchase if you are so inclined. I'm going to let you know what it is now. There's a hoodie. It's really cool. It's got these drawstrings on the hood, of course, and then a small embroidered hit for the Task Force logo. And then I'm super excited about this. If you want to get the exclusive Red Web Pictures crew shirt, you can join our movie department. That's right. It is now in the lore and you can be a crew on our film department, whatever. It's it's called Red Web Pictures, okay? That's that's all it is. And it's got a really cool logo. And there's also going to be some posters themed around things like Ghostbusters and whatnot. We're going to make a social post about it so everybody's going to be able to see what we're talking about, but only those at RTX will be able to get their hands on these goody goods. And anything that's left over might go to the store. I'm not going to lie. They might go to the store. But if you want that first chance, the opportunity to guarantee that you can get one of these things, it's going to RTX. Again, rtxaustin.com. A lot of amazing other friends and family members of, of Rooster Teeth will be there. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but I, I, I think I could say it. Smosh, they're going to be there. Okay, July 7th through 9th. I didn't say that. It is a fantastic weekend. It's going to be hot. Bring your sunscreen and... and sunscreen <laughs> bring your haunted sunscreen and again rtxaustin.com to get all those juicy deets can't wait to see you all there i'm very excited for y'all to see what we have in store for you
All right. And with that said, here are a couple of our other fantastic sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Rocket Money. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? I'll give you a beat to think about it. Because most Americans think that they spend around $80 or so a month on subscriptions, but the actual total, drumroll please, is closer to something like $200 a month. That's pretty big. A big difference, at least, from what you were believing, right? And if you don't know how, how much you're exactly paying every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It also monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they have forgotten about, and chances are you might be one of them, Task Force. Like that one streaming app that you signed up for, you know, for the free trial and everything like that, and then you watched the show, you binged it, and then you forgot about it, and then it turned into a thing, and then now it's a year later, and you've been paying for it every month without logging in. I have looked into this app, and I love how much it tracks. You've heard from Fredo as well. He really enjoys the app and how much it tracks on his spending, especially if you have multiple credit cards and debit cards. It can track it all in one place. I greatly appreciate the transparency that they offer. And again, I enjoy the white glove service that they offer. So you don't have to go to all these different services and cancel. You can go straight through Rocket Money, and they will handle it for you. That's pretty cool. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions today and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash redweb. That's rocketmoney.com slash redweb. Again, rocketmoney.com slash redweb. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Shady Rays. Summer is here and the sun gets stronger every dang day. I would know because we've had a record high just the other day here in Austin, Texas. It's getting spicy so we all need that gear to protect our eyes when we go outside from that bright bright hot hot sun and that's where our friends at shady rays have everybody covered for sunshine with premium polarized shades all for a great price shady rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair out there their frames are super durable and they've got extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures plus shady rays has the best protection plan Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. What does that mean? Well, if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, somebody stomps on it while you're out there treading through the woods, they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked, which is fantastic. I have a couple of pair of Shady Rays at my disposal, depending on the outfit I'm wearing. If I'm going to go running or if I'm just going for a cruise, I love polarized sunglasses. I was at the beach with my boy, with Fredo, you know, and it gets rid of all that glare off the ocean. I love that about polarized sunglasses. And again, they got something for every style. I just love how good the optics are and how stylish they are. It's just awesome. And the hinges are really strong. It's not a flimsy pair of sunglasses. They're actually pretty robust. And I do appreciate that because I've had some cheap ones in my time, flimsy, falling apart. These aren't doing it. I love that. Exclusively for you Task Force members, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code REDWEB for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Again, ShadyRays.com, use promo code REDWEB to let them know we sent you and get that 50% off two or more pairs. All right, let's go ahead and get right back into the mystery. All right. Well, that's the background of this place. As you can imagine, a lot of people that believe in the paranormal and especially those that go ghost hunting and try to find evidence believe that there is something to the history of places that creates a residual energy or for some reason that draws spirits to that location. 
And it tends to be, as we kind of talked about, dark history, nefarious deeds, trauma, just dark acts, just high emotion tends to leave an imprint. And I'm very curious about that from a metaphysical sense. And that's just me being kind of like, I dabble in the sunlight. I'm I'm brave and I go, I don't believe pragmatism. But then when I'm there, I, I, I try to lose all of that and, and, and take it all in and listen and try to like reach out and all that. And And I'll be real, like, I still find myself to be a cautious skeptic, but man, when you're in the environment and you're, and you're in these like hot spots, you can't help but feel a little bit of that history. And, uh, whether it's the history playing on your mind, the darkness playing on your mind or spirits, I find it to be a very fascinating experience. Yeah. I mean, you, you guys have heard me talk about like where I stand. Mm -hmm. Do I believe ghosts are real? No. Am I going to tempt it? No. Uh, I used to say, am I going to go find out? No, but here I am doing this damn show. Um, Dragging him along. You're going to find out. <laughs> but it's something just like walking in to there and like that, the environment for me kind of like consumes me mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, it's really dark. And so it's, it starts there, right? For I go, I'm here. I'm in this building. It's broken down. It's really dark. I can't see like three feet in front of my face unless I'm flashing a flashlight. It's already it just that's just me and my fear of just like mm-hmm. alone in the dark, and then from there you start thinking, well, the history. Then you then 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 it all starts settling in. And once that bakes, you go. You start hearing any little noise, gets you going. And so, like like I said, the environment consumes you. And so, it's easier when you're just kind of like sitting down in the bright room around right. people and public and whatnot. Right. But when you're actually there by yourself, it starts to creep in. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, and this is a bit of meta talk, but we've talked about this, and this is just for the task force kind of peek behind the curtain. But the three of us, and, and Jillian, who's not in the room right now, but the four of us have talked about these experiences and these places we've gone to and, and various, like, what our dispositions are. And I, I have to say, I'm very keen on where we as a team find ourselves on the spectrum from believer to full skeptic. I love that we're firmly in the middle and we... we go in with a pragmatic mind to debunk things. We don't want to be fantastic about it over the top and like, nor do we fake anything. That is a huge thing in the industry, apparently. Yeah. That people fake a lot of things, dramatize and everything. I love that when we try, we try to debunk what we can and when we don't, we just say it. Like, we can't figure this part out and then we engage with task force. We say like, what did you see? What did you think? I love how engaged it's a good time. Yeah, those those you're not investigations. Gonna, you're not are. gonna see us like you're not gonna see me walk into a closet, door slam shut, and then hear a bunch of like banging and ruffling around. Mm-hmm. And you come out, and go, I just boxed the ghost. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I just fought for my life. We went nine rounds, nine rounds, nine rounds, toe to toe, ghost, spectral energy. Like it's not that. You know what I mean? Like we're just nine rounds. <laughs> this man stepped into a broom closet, nine rounds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll go, we'll goof about baby hands, but we ain't doing nine rounds. No, no that, way. yeah. So anyway, with that said, though, just kind of an aside, I want to talk about some of the sightings, some of the very popular, very common sightings, as well as one of the sightings I hadn't actually heard about that's a little bit more rare, but is still consistent enough that people have noted it. So this is, as we've talked about, considered one of the most haunted places in the United States. And I think that that comes from the frequency with which people report things the number of photographs that people have of shadowy figures, a lot of them seeming to be in timely garb, you know, like top hats and long Mm -hmm. coats, things like that. But also how many people walk away having 
experienced something personally. Just, a lot of stories coming out of this place. Many believe that the traumatic nature of the environment is what led to so many lost souls wandering these haws in the afterlife. Of course, many painful deaths, many painful illnesses. Of course, this includes the patients and their experiences, but also paranormal enthusiasts have noted that many of the staff seem to also be walking these halls in their afterlife, of course, having been exposed to this, this environment. The treatments the patients received from the doctors were often brutal and in some cases deadly. To many, tuberculosis was considered a death sentence. And I know we talked about this before, but for posterity, symptoms included weakness, weight loss, fever, night sweats, chest pain, coughing up blood, and of course, thick phlegm that would interfere with the passive ability to breathe. So Whoa, you would never, terrible. you would live every day focused on your breathing, thinking about that. You know, I'm going to do a, an annoying thing real quick, which is to draw attention to your breath, the task force. When you start to manually breathe, you start to be aware of it or the tongue in your mouth or the feeling of if you have long hair, the way your hair is laying on yourself. Like now imagine that, but forever for the rest of your time, you know, it's, a mentally exhaustive experience, I have to imagine. Many patients went to Waverly and rarely, if ever, saw their families and friends again. So not only do we have the obvious, but you have the emotional toll, the mental toll of being in this environment. Well, I can see how it became a community then at that point. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Many who have visited the sanatorium have reported seeing shadow people all over the grounds and inside the hospital. Now, we've talked about shadow entities, of course, in our sleep paralysis episode and what they kind of are, but essentially humanoid figures that essentially look like just pitch dark shadows. We also talked about some of the precursors, the situations that lean people towards seeing these figures, whether it be mm -hmm. various medication symptoms, heightened emotions, sleep deprivation, etc. These are all situations that have caused people. So there's practical reasons for someone to, to see a, quote, shadow person, beyond just the paranormal. But either way, a lot have been reported at this place, and they seem to move very quickly. Hard to capture on film, but I guess, you know, there's still some photographs. One of the common experiences people have is that they hear voices, especially of children, and they also hear doors slamming throughout the property. I'm trying to remember, when we were at Pennhurst, because these places are so like similar to each other, there's a lot of familiarity with the experiences I feel like I was having. There was times where we would split up and I would, yeah. Christian and I, like, Christian was filming with me, Shane was filming with you, mm -hmm. and um, man, there were so many times where Christian and I would just wander down this hallway because we would hear this effeminate voice. Mm -hmm. It was light, and so I couldn't tell if it was that of a woman or a small child, but it, it was such a light voice that always seemed to get further away from us as we approached it. But it is an eerie feeling. I, did you experience any, like, Banging her door shutting or anything? No. No. But I'll be honest, the minute I see something and I know that I've seen something, I'm like, I saw a shadowy figure or I yeah. see a hand creeper in a gone, bro. It's freaky. I'm gone. It's freaky. Ain't no way. I'm in that car. You ain't getting me back on the field. Tire screech as he pulls out with that that's minivan. It. We're going, that's that that my retirement from on the being on the field. <laughs> it's just that's it. it only he takes goes, hey, you got some room in that chair. <laughs> it only takes one time. I'm like, I saw a hand, and that's it. I'm, yeah. I mean, no way. So is it, it's worse to see something rather than hear something? Yeah, 100%. Okay. I feel like it's, it's what you can't see that freaks me out. There are some spirits like King, for example. Again, I'm going to keep relating this to our experience at Penhurst that was malicious, that was on the staff side of things, that was like antagonistic towards male figures. But then when it, to me, when I hear like a story like a child's voice or a, a woman's voice, you know, 
I, I, I tend to think more sympathetically on the patient side, and so I want to be approachable. I, I don't want to scare this thing off, like this entity or whatever it might be. But who knows? To your point, it could be a demon mm -mm. in disguise. That's what I'm saying, man. You know? If I'm in my home and I hear a noise, I, I in my head, I don't say it out loud because I'm not, you know, I talk to myself, don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to speak to something in my home and empower it that way. I've seen too many poltergeist style video mm -hmm. movies you know yeah but i'm like no 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 you have no permission to be here let the right ones in kind of thing yeah get out yeah i, I think I, for me it's less hearing because of the fact that like it's just so quiet and everything is all busted the windows are busted doors are creaky old pipes stuff yeah. like that so you you do kind of like hear a lot of weird things pretty frequently mm -hmm. so i think for me it'd be a visual yeah, that, that, that would that would take me out of the situation immediately. There's man, I don't I don't want to get too sidetracked from the topic, but just since we're talking about ghosts and sightings, then I'll get to the next popular sighting here. Is there was one time I saw something, and it was the one time I couldn't get away because it was another show that we did. It was a very short-lived show called Haunter, and it lives on the Rooster Teeth app. If you want to go support us, you can become a first member. It's exclusive for first members. You can go check it out, but. As part of the hazing ritual, for it being my first, it was at a priory, Michelin Priory, I think it was Michelin Priory in, in England, South England, and um, I was tied to a bed, so I could not move, and everyone left the house. I was left alone in this several hundred year old place, and I saw the darkest shadow of my life float into the doorway, obscuring, it was a dark room, but obscuring the doorway. Legally, they'd had to have an exit sign in this place, and so there was a faint green light glowing over this room. It blocked that. And so that's when I was like, okay, I've, I dabble, you know, I'm, I'm a little skeptical. I'm a little believe I'm like somewhere in the middle, but that threw me. I couldn't look at it. The fight or flight had me going, but I, I was, I was tied down. So I just like squint my eyes hard as if, you know, the ghoul rules, just keep yourself under the covers and nothing can touch you kind of thing. I hate this. No way. No way in hell. Oh. Yeah. And that's all on tape. It was an hour, by the way, that I was stuck on that bed. Ugh. Getting back to this topic, though. Beyond the voices, beyond the doors. On the third floor of the building lives a popular ghost, a young boy named Timmy. It is said that if you roll a ball down the hallway, one of the various long hallways, Timmy will roll it back to you. That's something we've done before. Tina Mattingly, one of the current owners, told Kentucky's Courier-Journal that she and visitors often see orbs along the infamous body chute. So it feels like these are two destinations that we just have to stomp boots. There's another hot spot on the fifth floor, in particular room 502. Some sources say that this floor housed patients with mental illnesses. Other sources say that it was actually nurse stations and their bedrooms. Completely different. It's way different. Way different. <laughs> so now you see what we're dealing with with some of these recent historical articles, but suffice to say, people were there. Room 502 seems to be an absolute hot spot where many shadow people have been reported. I think people have been touched or pushed or sometimes scratched there. It's, it's, a, it's a very genuine hot spot. Room 502 in particular has a dark history, which may be why it's such a hot spot. Reportedly in 1929, just three years after the building's opening, a nurse was found dead after ending her own life. A few years later, in 1932, another nurse ended her life on the roof patio of room 502. Some rumors have said that she was pushed, but this is completely unconfirmed. But it is one of the various stories that goes yeah. around. Less commonly, though, these are the three main. There is a kind of 
fourth one here. It's less common. It's a man in white, believed to be a surgeon or a chef, hard to say, has been seen roaming the halls at night, coming in and out of the kitchen. Interestingly, and... and it sounds like a chef, but... Sounds like a chef. Now, this will... <laughs> that or just a very hungry man. It's a true. surgeon. Because he's coming in and out of the kitchen. Interestingly, this is like a 4DX experience. When people see this rare ghost, they also... It, it's accompanied by a smell of food and cooking after seeing him. Whoa. Yeah. That is not a super common... Like, having an olfactory experience. I mean, I mean think about that. Like, Yeah. Uh, I mean, sure. You know, there's got to be like a smell aspect to it, um, or at least people's experiences. But that's never anything we really talk about or even hear. Right. Not a, not a super common yeah. experience. Yeah. But you, know, you, you don't think about that. Like, no, no way. I wouldn't even know, like, if we were, if you were to be like, you're in this haunted hospital, there's a ghost smell. Mm -hmm. What the hell is a ghost smell? Right. Sulfur is what? Demons? Farts. Farts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the smell of it or like mm -hmm. what it's associated? Oh, definitely like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I also think that like, yeah, sulfury. I know what a ghost, no one That brimstone about. kind of stuff is yeah. like, yeah, it's definitely like. It talks about like what a ghost would smell like. Yeah. That's interesting because you're right. If I was plopped down somewhere and then like my mind was turned to my senses because I'm trying to like take in this environment, smell is kind of the thing I shut off. Yeah. I'm like, I'm looking, I'm like, I'm feeling because yeah. like, you know, touch is one of the common things. Sight is the main thing. Right. I thank God I don't get any taste. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to taste oh, the ghost. <laughs> oh, God, is that the woman in gray? Oh, <laughs> it, it just wouldn't be good at all. Rancy. Yeah. But those are the, the, the common sightings. And, and I was talking to Christian a little bit, too. I was like, I'm very curious if there aren't other experiences, because that was my instinct, too. When you when you say a place is one of the most haunted, you're you're like, OK, there's got to be several hot spots. But no, it's just that these hot spots are so hot that people walk away with a lot of shared stories. I mean, it's a hospital. You, you know what I mean? It's a public place. You got a lot of people moving in and out, in and out, in and out. And yeah. so it, it just when you're cycling through thousands of people every month, year, et cetera, probability comes high. So I get why these public places are known. I mean, you know, abandoned hospitals, stuff like that. It's because there's so many people there. So many people going in and out for sure. And then also, unfortunately, a lot of people that visited and passed. Um, yeah. I mean, you got a body shoot. You, you got to be a little bit more known for death if that's the mm -hmm. case. But that is the story, the history, and some of the popular sightings of Waverly Hills Sanatorium, a place that I am taking you boys on a road trip to. Just sometime in the near future, I feel like we got to do it. There's an October, a Halloween waiting for us at this place. I mean, are you doing the tunnel challenge again? Someone is. Do you want to see what the body shoot looks like? Do I really? Absolutely, I do. Here in the sunlight, here at 4.30 p.m.? Absolutely, yeah. I do. This is the body shoot. Ten months from Hills. now? I don't know. Oh, my oh, God. Hell it's sloped leading down. Oh, there's stairs yeah. on one side and then oh, just a slope on the other. Okay. So. It looks like you can see about 20 feet with a good flashlight. So it's sloped leading down. Mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is just a, I feel like it's a different fear in itself because it kind of makes you think that it goes down into a basement type area. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is terrifying. Penhurst, it was just kind of like a straight shot, then a curve, then like a corner into another like shot, like straight shot into another turn. It was basically a way to get to but buildings. You, you had these little like, like 
like doorways every mm -hmm. so often. Yeah. So that was terrifying in its own right of just like, there's a lot of entry points. Right. This is terrifying. There's no entry points. So I looked at the photo. There's no, uh, it looks like just cement walls. I'm uh -huh. like, cool. I'm not worried about like this window on this door 10 feet in front of me, right? It's either in front of me or behind me. Yep. But it's sloping down. Yeah. That's a, that is a place for a spirit to pincer maneuver the crap out of you. Mm, I'm, I don't know. Oh, I don't know about that one. Maybe get you a big wheel and send you down to the bottom and see, and see what's up. <laughs> you just like lure, lure me down. Yeah. And then it gets really light and I pull it up and yep. it's, a, it's a torn end. And I look at Christian and I go, minus one. And then we, and then we run. And then you, then you send Christian down. Then, then yeah, I go, you, you can't pay enough for that. Enough for yeah, that there's no way. No. Man, I it's been a while, and I'm really happy that we kind of, you know, as we are a mystery and an unsolved kind of podcast, I I do love Task Force that you've allowed us so so much to dabble in the paranormal, to to explore this other area of the paranormal and, and the unknown. Because I don't know, it just like raises so many questions in my mind. I got a curious little brain. What what creates a ghost sort of situation? Is it is it true? Like all of those things. And because then you start to, to go like, well, no, I believe in science. And then you start to listen to quantum mechanics and you start to go, well, I don't know, man. Growing up, I would often, I, I, you know, engineer by background. I, I often had a lot of little in, run ins with like engineers at various companies and, you know, I'm trying to network and whatnot. And, and it was so interesting to hear the way that a lot of big science minds think about life and the afterlife. And I feel like genuinely there's a lot of room for the unknown. So it's like, no matter how pragmatic you want to get Task Force, I feel like there's just, there's something in this neck of the woods, right? There's something in these corners that's worth exploring. And that's why I want to do it. Maybe someday. Oh, at some point, some way, shape, or form, we should discuss the um, the current lights and alien sightings that have been happening. Absolutely. Recently. Absolutely. <laughs> we were that talking is, about this yesterday. That is something we've been talking about vividly. And that's, and it's okay, so one of the things that we do with Red Web is like, and this is, uh, leave it all in the meta chat is cool. Task force, like, we want to let things breathe and let things resolve. We, we're not like the investigator. We're not the, the journalist who's going to crack a case. Like, what we want to do is, is collate a lot of information to deliver it to you so we can be your one-stop shop. And what I don't want to do is give you half information and then have to trickle feed it out. Like, maybe that's something we can do more on TikTok, which we've kind of let atrophy a little bit, give more bite-sized current updates and stuff, but I've been trying to stay in tune with that because there's something in the zeitgeist. It's, it's like People are talking about reverse engineering being more factual now, that something's been here or is here. A lot of it. A lot of new videos coming out that are like wild, but I also know CGI and technology has gotten way more accessible. You know, recording gameplay, like Let's Plays, YouTubers, that was a huge moat 10 years ago, 15 yeah. years ago. Now anybody can kind of snap their fingers and Twitch stream, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the same thing with CGI. And so like that brings my skeptical mind to the, to the table. I mean, but AI itself. AI itself, 100%. But yeah, long way of saying, absolutely. Task Force, if you have articles, you have videos, please send them our way. We're definitely going to try to collate an episode around that. And it might even be big enough to do like a two-parter. I don't want to promise anything because we haven't barely scratched the surface. But there's something going on. And I want to get in there. And Fredo, I will not see you next week because we have it off for RTX, rtxaustin.com. Come see us. Otherwise, I will see you the week after that 
for another mystery. We have an escape room! <laughs>